0: Last week on Into the Dead. This is our 20th season. Wow, 20th season. Just outstanding. We're getting old, Tim.
1: Yeah. To school do. records to do. and yes, Yeah, we rewrote records. the record, but it was
0: amazing. <laughs> For their efforts, Aver Brun was named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week, and Kenzie Newton once again named UMAC Setter of the Week. You turn uh, Mike Seahawk loose and anything's going to happen. Your text said 28-3,
1: to three, I'm out. Well, women's divers are hard to find. Men's divers are literally almost impossible almost eerie how much i enjoyed that
2: it's time
0: to get back into the den we're back and better than ever a weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student athletes coaches and teams of the university of minnesota morris cougars into the den has no off season and now
1: the den is open again let's go deep into the den. we've got something special going on here with your co-hosts tim grove and matt johnson
0: yes sir welcome back into the den we are back and better than ever and this is championship week for umac volleyball or should i say umaction in volleyball and we're excited to welcome in uh none other than some volleyball highlighters here with coach joe susan guth and senior sydney Ekoff. so along with co-host matt johnson we welcome you guys in thanks for being here it's good to see you thanks guys resounding right after that (laughs) Resounding applause. Sydney's like, I haven't even said anything
2: yeah, yet. Uh, <laughs>
1: Big following, though. That's Fan right. favorites. <laughs>
0: That's right. So welcome back into the den. Like I said, this is uh, UMAC championship week for volleyball, and we'll get back to that um, in a minute, and we'll also get back to Friday night's experience as well. But I think, Joel, first I want to um, just talk about the season, I think. And, and I know you're still in competitive game mode, but I'm going to make you reflect here for just a moment as I... Is I read some of this off. And so you guys were 20 and 7 overall, 12 and 2 in UMAC play, 5 and 3 versus the MIAC. When you hear those numbers, if you could just reflect for us, what, is that, what
3: do you think of when you hear that? Those are things from a program perspective. Goals I haven't shared with them, but those are some big time check marks that we were able to to cross off. And twenty wins was something that um, I when I wrote down things at the end of last season, that was one of the things I wanted to, to get the program to. Uh, obviously, the non conference play uh, wanted to get us above five hundred for that, and so they they checked that box as well. And then obviously getting to a position to host a, a first round playoff game, which which they did as well. So. Um, holistically, um, this group checked a lot of boxes for us without even knowing what what my goals or, or aspirations for the season was. And sometimes that's a good and a bad thing. Sometimes it's you know, coaches you like to share those things out loud. For me, I just wanted them to focus on their day to day and not having to worry about maybe notching number twenty or, you know, um, you know, being above five hundred against uh, Miami opponents or whatever the, the case may be. So. Um, they've consistently been raising the bar throughout the season and, and finding uh, new levels of play. And it's uh, been fun to see this team work, that's for sure. And is, is there something or some things that you can point to that are most meaningful or memorable to you as you look back on the regular season? Uh, but, you know, still, I think maybe we talked about this last time, the the, the match against Bethel was the, the first eye-opening one for me to say, all right, this this team has some... Um, some special qualities to it that it's going to keep us in matches, ones that maybe people will write us off for. Uh, the, the connectivity that you see on the court, you know, sports are family oriented in some ways. That doesn't mean that uh, it's always pretty or the conversations are the best, right? There's going to be some. Um, members of the family that once in a while get out of line or, or maybe are hard to deal with one day or the other. So it's the the dysfunctional family but yet very functional and we find ways to be functional and we need to and we we, we lean on each other in the moments where, you know, we need to raise the bar. So I'm um, through the ebbs and flows and highs and lows, it's uh, it, it's fun to see these guys just come out and give teams challenges, even though on paper people might say, shake their head and say, "Now this team doesn't have a chance. This, this group always has a chance. So um, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'll continue to bet money on these guys, that's for sure. I am a betting man, and I'm
1: betting money as well. <laughs> um, as we look back at your non-conference schedule and then leading into the conference play of it as well, you want to be peaking as you enter this time of the year. Do you feel that's where the squad is right now? Are you playing your best volleyball currently?
3: Peaking? Yeah. Healthy as best as we've been. I think I mean that Sydney's been here for sure. As far as everybody's ready to go unhealthy, you know, outside of um, of Avery and Macy, who've had you know season long, you know knee issues, but holistically, it's. We've tried to to narrow some things down in our, our weekly schedule where Mondays we're not on the court as much and I'm more mindful of reps than we have been in the past. But the athletes themselves, it's going and visiting Amelia, Rich and Ray and taking care of their bodies that way. So that's contributed to the peaking element of it. Uh, also the drive to continue to get better and and want to work on your craft still at this point I mean coach Grove you know how this goes and and Matt you do as too is it's you still focus on technique and skill development even at the latter stages of the season and um, yesterday you know I got up on a box and probably hit you know 200 balls Mm -hmm. at kids and you know it's worth it because they're still invested so kids pop down on my court and we get some reps in with them that way and and that way, maybe if they're they're 5% more prepared for for the big hitters that Superior bring or, you know, hopefully if we get an opportunity to play Northwestern again, if it takes me being up on a box, I'm going to do it. And these guys are invested right along with it.
0: Now, this last Friday, um, we hosted one of the top teams in the country in the University of Northwestern. And I thought the showing was incredible. I thought uh, we had great support from our, not only our student athletes, I think they showed out great, uh, but From the campus as a whole from the community i thought it was really really uh, a job well done by everyone to to invest in you guys uh, with that huge game from your perspective um, coach leading up the week leading up to that match did you do anything differently knowing you had a team like northwestern coming in or did you try to keep things consistent throughout the
3: week as you have done weeks previously i think sydney can probably answer that best from a player perspective from a coaching perspective my my piece from the beginning of the season the end is to to be the same person to not waver too high or too low. I think that that match itself there's a lot of places where it can go emotionally for both coaches and for for athletes as well. So my my job, my role is to be even keel with these guys cuz if they know that I'm off a little bit, they'll respond in that way. But sometimes, you know, when, when I have been off maybe a little bit, they'll respond. Example being Friday night, right? This isn't an exclusive for Into the Den, right? Can't wait. Coach, this coach, is coach turns be good. in his lineup. The first time in 15 years, I turned in a lineup that is not in the right order of when we normally do things, right? So for basketball, no big deal, right? For volleyball, it actually changes a lot of things. So it, it took me no longer than 30 seconds after the, the first serve and going, I messed this one up. And I haven't done that in about 15 years of coaching. So put them in a bad spot right away. But yet, what they do, they kept their composure. This was the same type of order that we did last season um but nonetheless they still battled did i beat myself up about it sure because i'm competitive and it, it drives me when i make the mistake at the on the onset but um it was it was a thing for them to to go out and navigate through and work through and maybe there's a reason why down the road that they're needing to be prepared for that situation which they were so um for, for the energy and the atmosphere, I'm going to echo back on just what you said real quick. There's a lot of people who put a lot of investment into getting that crowd there on that day and on that night for these guys. And I hope Sid talks a little bit about what it's like from an athlete's perspective. But since I've been here, um, I've never seen the stands that full. So um, for everyone who made the investment to do that, from the Tracy Andersons who even sent out an email to all the faculty mm-hmm. to the work that Matt and Alex and then the SAC students did, you know, Cassidy and, and all those guys, it was, uh, it was awesome just to see the stands full.
0: And that's where I was coming to next was was to you, Sid, to just ask, what did that feel like? You know, from the student-athlete perspective, yeah. how was it to play in front of a crowd like that on Friday night?
2: Yeah, for, for me, it was unreal. I think um, there was a lot of um, hype going into it throughout the week. Like you said, I had emails forwarded to me. I saw posters all around, people talking about it nonstop, um, which was exciting. And then to see it actually come true on Friday night was crazy. You know, we start the warm-up timer and... Um, there wasn't quite anyone there for a while and then all of a sudden people start rushing in and it's it's quite exciting I remember the the feeling during starting lineups will be a core memory for me like just announcing our names and just the roar of the crowd was unreal so it was really exciting to do that you know we usually that's the atmosphere we get when we go to Northwestern of course the fans are on the other side of it but um, yeah it was really nice to have all that support and we couldn't be more thankful for it I think our team responded well to it. We like to feed off the energy of the crowd. Um, going into it, as we talked about our preparation, um, I knew that where our minds were in that match was going to be a big deal. I know that like physically we can compete with Northwestern and with the best of them. But um, with the crowd and all that went into it and this big home match, um, I knew our minds had to be in the right spot. And I tried to tell my team that um, that pressure is a privilege. And I feel like in that Mm -hmm. moment, there was a lot of pressure, um, from the crowd and the community and just everything about it. Um, but I think that's a good thing. And if you can frame yourself to see pressure as, um, people believing in you, you know, people think that we can, we can roll the dice and we can play with the best of them. Um, that that's something that you should keep in mind when you're going into those big matches.
1: Senior wisdom. (laughs) Pressure is a privilege. Love it. Um, you know, as I as I look back at Friday, too, and, and kind of along those same veins, you know, just although a regular season match, it didn't have, at least from my perspective, a regular season match feel to it. You know, a um, l- lot of crowd, a lot of atmosphere, things like that, things that we also, frankly, hope tomorrow night happens, too. But if, if you're looking at things as a progression hopefully and and in reality maybe that helps prepare you for what tomorrow night is going to bring versus Wisconsin Mm -hmm. Superior and I know we're going to get there in a second but I mean that's winner take all right Mm -hmm. you win and you keep playing you lose and your season's potentially over Mm -hmm. so um, to know that that supports out there in the community I hopefully uh, it campus and and community-wide for that matter I hope the I hope you embrace it and 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 like you said, it's a little bit of a privilege, but it was a, it was electric in the gym on Friday night. It really was, and and that's, from an AD perspective, something I was really, really proud of. Yeah,
0: and now let's so let's take this to Saturday. Saturday was senior day, coming off a very emotional night, Friday night, where I'm sure the players, at least it looked from my vantage point, emptied the tank. I mean, they gave it all I've got. Uh, you mentioned the electricity in the gym, so I'm sure there's an emotional taxation to that from a Friday night perspective and then leading into Saturday where you're going to honor your seniors um, which comes with it an emotional day anyway at least I know it always has in our program so Joe if you could talk about that just just for a moment the the challenge in coming off of Friday leading into Saturday and kind of the the bounce back nature to what you faced on Saturday
3: yeah the investments are are high and great and when you when you give that much um, emotional energy and physical energy uh, just even being in the gym on Friday from a fan perspective had to be exhausting in some capacity for them. But it was. Uh, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where you say, okay, we know this as coaches because we've done this for so long that sometimes you see the the bounce back effect, or you know maybe the the first 10, 15 points aren't as, as as glamorous as you'd like them to be. The second part of it is you know you you talk about a group of seniors who've um, been there from you know the past four years and their first year wasn't. What they thought it would be when they came to college, right? So, for me, it was the you know it's the first time I took the microphone during senior day introductions and actually said a couple things just because it it meant a lot for me for that group of four to stay, right? To to stay through the times that were tough, and so for even myself, I had Coach Shannon call serves right away and kind of navigate some things. I had to gather myself together, which never usually I don't get out of that that realm very often of, of not being able to, to step in right away. But um, it meant a lot to me. And so I was like, oh, gosh, and this is the message that I'm sending to these guys, expecting them to go out and play. (laughs) They're going into a a match where Northwestern, or excuse me, North Central, different style of volleyball, right? Um, Different personnel. They had a couple players in their lineup that they didn't play the last time we played them. So some things in the scouting report just a tad bit different, a couple different looks. But, um, yeah, it took us a little bit to get our feet warm and Uh, to get into the groove of a match but you know once we settled things down to started to control the floor on both sides offensively defensively um, then they just kind of slid right in and finished out the weekend in a fun way. And Sid you are one of those seniors that we are Mm -hmm. talking about here so as someone that went through it how
0: did you manage the emotion of the day?
2: Um, Yeah it was definitely emotional uh, definitely coming off of Friday night was a lot, uh, for lack of a better word, it was like an emotional like hangover. Like We were just so invested into that match, and um, wasn't the outcome we wanted, of course. But coming into Saturday, I was just really trying to like separate between the two days. I was like, this is just a day to celebrate being a senior and being here with my team and having one last really fun um, regular season match. So I think um, with that in mind, we went into it, and we had a really fun day, you know, um, it wasn't prettiest um, all the time, but we got the job done, and yeah, I thought I thought it was a really fun day. We had we had lots of laughs for that game for sure.
1: You know who must have been emotionally <clears throat> and physically drained is the five random Northwestern parents who joined our student section. I don't even know what what else to say after that, but boy, they were into <clears throat> that match for sure. So, but you know what you're talking. I again, I'm looking back to that Friday match, saying you know we had to bring it atmospherically because they felt Felt that they could go over and hang out with a bunch of, you know, 20 year old kids and jump around and high five each other. So uh if that doesn't <laughs> set the tone for something else, I don't know what does. Uh Sid, if you would, um, talk a little bit about your your other seniors, you know, Lydia and Mackenzie and 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 Maggie in terms of um your time together, your bond, obviously. I mean, being a senior is always special, but as coach referenced, you guys came through, and all seniors, I guess, this year. A, a challenging, I will say, early part of your college career. What has that done to the strength of your relationship and that on, and from a team perspective?
2: Yeah, uh, the four of us are super close. I consider those three. My sisters at this point um, came in together. You know, Maggie's a year above us, but was in our group for the most part the whole time. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're all three really special to me. I think they all bring a lot to this program. Um, together, like Coach said, we've been through it, a lot of ups and downs throughout the years, coming in during COVID and whatnot. But um, I think we've just established a really close um, culture in our program that we, that we hope the, the rest of the girls see. Um, it's a sisterhood for Cougar Volleyball. And um, I'm so thankful to have those three in my life, and they'll continue to be in my life forever but Maggie's probably my very best friend um, she we couldn't ask for a better leader on our team love her to death Kenzie and I have been been through a lot together um, being in the same position um, couldn't ask for a better pepper partner uh, she's she's the best and of course Lydia um, we we all love Lydia to death she's really I feel like she's really came out of Rochelle this very last season and just been her best self every day at practice and I Together, I can't say enough about those three. So.
1: And then, Joe, to that same question, I mean, the legacy that those four are leading or leaving, I should say. And again, season's not over, and that's the beauty of this <laughs> is we get to keep playing volleyball. But at some point in time, Coach, you're going to have a chance to reflect and look back at at the impact that these four people have had on your program and how that hopefully sets the table to keep growing and developing as, as Cougar Volleyball will. <laughs>
3: Hundred percent, and they. You know, this group has created a, a pathway for those who are in our program and will be in the program in the future. From what they do in the classroom, all of them academically astound student athletes. Um, in the weight room, um, you're not going to find a, an, another group that is as invested in that area either. Even on the days where you know Maggie does, you know physically can't handle to go in, she's going to go find ways to get better and stronger one way or the other. Um, you know, you can see Sydney every Monday night at the RFC. By the way, once the season's done, <laughs> I had to get that in there because they didn't coach. get it yesterday. Thanks, um, but it, this, they they do it on the, on the court, off the court. Um, there was a reason, you know. We always try to navigate how you select captains every single year. Sometimes yep. I throw it right to the players and let them, you know, decide 100. percent This year, it felt right to just have the four of them because each of each of them have attributes that are extremely valuable and relatable. And they, they have connectivity levels with uh, all of our team in, in some ways, in some walks of life. So uh, you're right. The the impact's going to, you know, you always feel it after a senior class comes and goes every year. But this one's pretty special. And so we'll, we'll have to, to see. But hopefully what they've done here and the investments they've made have rubbed off with the rest of the group for the future.
0: And yeah, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think when you when when we say a term like legacy, I think that's a you know, what kind of legacy are they leaving? I think you hit it right on the head there with what you just said. Hopefully what they have done has kind of have rubbed off on the younger players and they will take that piece. Yeah, the weight room is important. I'm going to make sure we get there. That type of thing, that's the legacy that they're leaving right there when they can leave something behind to the younger players that they've instilled in them. This is important. This is what makes a program successful, and we go. And, yeah. and so um, when you talk about legacy, that is it in a nutshell right there. So uh, very, very well done. Speaking of continue to keep playing, as we're going to talk about next. You guys have an opportunity now. As I mentioned earlier, this is championship week, and it's incredibly exciting. And, and with, the, with the awesome regular season you guys have, you've earned a home match uh, tomorrow night against UW-Superior. And Superior comes, you've played them twice. Obviously, both were 3-1 wins in our favor. Um, but they're talented, well-coached. Sid, what kind of challenges do they they bring as a team from a, a player perspective as you facing them across the net? What what are some main challenges that they bring that are uh, pretty specific to UW-Superior?
2: Yeah, I would say that they have um, a pretty spread offense. Um, they, they have a lot of good hitters, uh, and they can all hit many different angles on the court. Uh, they're definitely aggressive servers, um, and they're scrappy. I always... Um, note their defense is all over the place. Their libero is insane. Um, lots of respect to her, uh, and they're always going to bring it. They have um, a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and it shows. So I think they're, they're going to be hungry and ready to go, and we're going to try to match that energy. And I think it is, uh, my high school coach always said it's, it's hard to beat a team three times. And it is because you, you learn you know all their secrets, their ins and outs, and their tendencies. But I think uh, we're ready for the challenge and we're going to take on this week like we would any other week. So.
1: And not only, have, I mean, you had the two regular season meetings, but this will be the third straight UMAC postseason as well, Correct. That you guys have met, Coach?
3: Yeah, it seems like we always Mm -hmm. this is the two three match every year, so it's uh, it's a good problem to have. Well, and two (laughs) years ago at our
1: place, last year up at theirs, and now at ours with the the home team coming out victorious in each situation.
3: Yeah, bounces back and forth, but and then you know the last time we played them up there, you know, squeaking out a four setter when the margin was two each set. I mean, that's um, you don't see that a ton. So we we played a a lot of hard volleyball up there, that's for sure. So when you're looking at playing a team, Joe, for the for the third time.
1: is it a, a mantra of stick to who we are, do what got us here? Or is it more of, you know, to what Sydney referenced, maybe there's, and I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of volleyball coaching, are there tricks that are still in the bag that that we show in a playoff scenario? Or is it more of, again, you know, dance with the person that we took to the dance?
3: You have to always be ready to expand upon what you're good at, and that was the that's the key when you get to the postseason. Because by now, um, the data is going to show things, films going to show things, uh, people are going to chart and track to the best of their ability to try to take away what you do. What you don't know is how they are going to approach what they do with their defense or their serving strategy. And those things you have to be ready to adjust for on the fly. There's definitely things with our offense that I think that we can expand upon. I'm always going to challenge our servers to be a little bit better than they were the match before, as far as being able to be assertive and aggressive and take teams out of their offense. There's definitely things from a defensive standpoint where that I know that I'm going to shift that we'll implement today to talk about you know preparation for tomorrow. So there's definitely things that we're going to key and cue on that not only the data says but uh, just coaches gut stuff that you you know that this time of year this is what players are going to lean on and rely on. So there'll be some of that gamesmanship on both sides. Lynn's very very good at, at these same types of things. She's someone who's um, moved a lot of kids in and out of different roles, a lot of different lineups. And so I know the the challenge will be great, but but I that's that's what makes playoffs fun, right? That's the, the the best part of it is just trying to navigate the X's and O's and and being able to ride that emotional energy in a positive way throughout the course of that competition.
1: Can I ask one follow-up on that too? And it's specific to something you said. Um I think, again, from the my chair, a thousand feet from the court, that we serve aggressively. I mean, is that something that that? that is a conscious – every single match you go into it, are there times where you pull back on the reins there a little bit? I mean, because obviously there's a risk-reward with that, you know, that if if it's a ball in a great spot, it benefits us defensively right off the bat versus potentially – you know, having side outs and giving points the other way. What does that look like from your in the, in the preparation for a, a, what you anticipate being tight matches? This is
3: the best conversation to have with because we've got someone to my right who's <laughs> going to be able to answer this question as well from a unique perspective. From a coaching perspective, it's I am hungry to serve aggressively all the time. From a student athlete perspective, when they get behind the service line, sometimes you see a different server in practice than you do in a game and yeah. rightfully so, which I understand because the gravity of losing one point for your team falls solely on you. And so for me, the, the message to sell to these guys what a, a tough serve does to them. Yes, we could get an ace out of it, but to displace them to get out of their offense, to bolster our defense and then recycle our offense, that's the, something that it's a broken record time after time after time. You'll see at the levels higher than here that the ace to air ratio was skyrocketed through airs. You know, no longer do we see many teams who have more aces to airs in the season just because the emphasis of just the serve alone in this game has transcended over the past five years. People are just gonna go out and swing just because players are faster, they're stronger, offenses are more dynamic and there's more dynamic volleyball players. So the the serving part of the game is ultra important more so than it ever has been
1: yeah and on that end sid i was going to reference you're one of those people who gets put in that situation a lot right you come in to serve i would reference madeline madeline monaco too right mm-hmm. that a lot of times Matt comes in maybe she hasn't played in, a, in an entire set and all of a sudden she's there game on the line again you've seen it a lot too what's the thought standing behind the serve line there knowing that you're going to go aggressively at it but again the stakes are as high as high can be
2: yeah uh i've been developing my serve here for For a long time coach knows that Um, I came from a program where you get the ball in the court when you go back to serve I think I served 98.7 my senior year and um, that was expected to me you get the ball in the court every time so coach has really been patient with me working on um, getting my serves more aggressive Um, I think this this year I finally I don't know I finally really fine-tuned like my spot serving and whatnot but I think it's Um, super important for me to go in, um, as a three rotation player, I always go in and I'm trying to make a difference. So, uh, first thing I do is I go in and I greet all my other players, make sure they're in a good headspace. I go back, take a deep breath myself, look for my signal and um again I'm trying to make a difference back there so even if it's not an ace I'm trying to displace like coach said that's so valuable to get them out of system um I love going on runs for my team there's nothing worse than going back there and you know being um being just popping in a weak serve like I, I could have done better than that and then the other team just absolutely smashes one at you and I feel that like right away I'm like That's that's so on me. Like I just let my this missed an opportunity for a run there. So when I go back to serve, I'm always thinking just to be as aggressive as possible. If I'm missing, I'm I'm barely missing. That's the that's the goal. Either the right on the tape, we try to keep our serves fleeing, which is our volleyball term for flat and clean. So I'm always back there. I'm OK. Fleen. Makes sense. (laughs) Flat and clean. I'd
1: copyright that (laughs) if I wanted to. A Karch Cry
0: Team USA (laughs) that. We'll we'll add that to UMAction. UMAction and Fleen.
2: fleen.
1: We got two words that I won't use outside of this venue. But um, So your Fleen serves, but but to to go back to something you referenced to, and again, I'm just going to, Tim and I have had this conversation 100 times over, and I'm going to say again, the first thing that you led with, again, is that I think what makes culturally so special with volleyball, to sit there and say, I know what my role is. I'm a three-rotation player. I'm going to come in and greet all of my teammates, and my job is to do my job. And I'm not saying that there aren't. Every sport has got people like you, Sid, but I think that's special. You know yeah. what I mean? To know what your role is, to to buy into your role, and then say when I'm on the court, it's to make an impact. I, 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 it was refreshing. It's amazing for me to hear people talk about that. But it's specific, I think, in this case to the volleyball. I, I think your culture within the program is so special. And that sisterhood, if you want to look at it or whichever way you do, but you're all there for each other. You know, and the ones mm-hmm. on the court are, are going after it. That I mean, that's not even a question, it's more just a statement. But again, Tim and I have had that conversation twenty five times this year. So I think that's a testament to you and, Thank and you. leadership.
2: Thank you. Yeah, no
0: doubt. Not only roles but the insight in that. You said, you know, you talked about mindset and, and doing something for your team. Incredible. that was that was just great. Yep. I'm sitting over here smiling like that. Is, That's those are things that I don't as a fan I don't think about, and here you just took us from when you're called to come in, what you're doing, what your mindset is. That's incredible, and um, and that's the difference, you know, from from a coaching player standpoint, from a fan standpoint. I've watched a lot of volleyball in my life, and and I will admit when the ball hit when we don't get the ball over the net on a serve, I'm in the stands going, it's like a missed (laughs) layup. Come on, you know, that's my basketball. I'm like that's a layup that we just missed. But I never see coaches
3: react negatively to miss serves because that's part of the game and that's part of being aggressive. Is that is that right? (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. And you hear that from fans. So post game, you talk to people, and they say, "Gosh, you guys missed a lot of serves." And it's, yeah, okay. Well, let's let's t- let's bend that back a little bit and say, "Well, how many of them were into the middle or the bottom of the net? How many of them were five to ten feet out of bounds?" Right. So I'm looking at our misses as ones that are constructive misses to where what we need to just tweak just a little bit. You know, and it's a big ask for for someone who comes from a high school program who was expected to hit that high number. She still served like between ninety four and ninety five percent for her career. Still, you know, to take someone out of of one mentality and shift it into another is a big ask for a coach. But, um, you know, that's that's the emphasis. And my job as coach is to challenge. And I will continue to challenge even if they get frustrated with me and, you know, asking more and more and more. But that's that's my job. That's my role. And uh, I know sometimes I probably get a little greedy with the serving element. But it pays dividends, you know, and just getting them to, to recognize and realize what those dividends are. You know, that's, that's what I need to do.
1: That's, well, and to step out great. of the fan mentality. Because, again, same thing. Yeah. Even on Friday, I mean, mm-hmm. not having had this conversation yet, and I don't know, it doesn't matter. Ava missed one or whoever, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter in Sir so And I'm sitting there and I just throw up my hands because I'm a fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in the day-to-day grind, but but dang it, I want the Cougars to win. You know, that's mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, we can't do that as if I'm the one who's trying to get the
3: ball over In the the matches where you don't feel like you can sacrifice a point in that situation, how can they miss a serve here? Oh, your choice is either that or have Abby Glantzer go up and smash the ball somewhere. (laughs) So what do you you want to do with it? She'll do it in the front or the back row. We'll still work our darndest defensively to combat that, but without that first serve um, to even start to help our our defense, it it doesn't work the same. Awesome. That's great insight. I love it. So we won't ask you about Saturday because we know we have to get through Mm -hmm. a very,
0: very good UWS team Wednesday night first. So I'm not even going to go there. Mm But when we had you on before, I did ask about the the potential of the UMAC being a two-bid league. Looking at how the regular season has played out, whoever ends up in that match Saturday night, is there a chance for the UMAC to be a two-bid league, or would it only be if Northwestern gets, quote-unquote, upset, and now they are not an automatic bid? Is that the only way we would get two teams, or what, what does that look like now after we've played the
3: season out? All right. As long as we can continue to be as a conference as a whole, the more we do um, as a group, and this is where we've had conversations with coaches groups in the past, is being able to share data and information with our non-conference matches that are against opponents like the MIAC, right? Um, if we can have more success as a conference there, then that speaks louder, speaks volumes to us being able to, to maybe be looked at in that light um we also you know regions shift and change right so the the wisconsin oshkosh and whitewaters of the world um sometimes you you knock into you know dubuque right now for volleyball down in iowa you know when we're all in that type of that boat and that consideration so that's you know your non-conference schedule it matters you know it's One of those things sometimes as coaches that you look at and say, boy, if we get one non-conference loss, boom, our at-large bid is gone. It's done. You know, this year it's a little bit different. You know, I think the Bethel match kind of opened my eyes for some things about, okay. And then in just seeing, you know, what um, St. Kate's did the other day, St. Olaf, you know, beat Northwestern both, you know, within the past couple of weeks here too. So. If if us as the Cougars, will just focus on us. If we can continue to get those wins against the teams in the Mayak that are maybe the third or fourth or fifth teams, and we've knocked off Concordia, we knocked off um, Bethel. If we can find more of those types of wins, not maybe necessarily beating the Gustavuses of the world or the St. Bens all the time, but if we can keep knocking on that door and take those progression steps higher with time, then maybe Superior they do the same thing. Maybe they they knock off someone that's third or fourth in the Mayak and. So holistically, you'd like to see it be a group task other than just a one single school task. I don't know if this answers your question at all, but I think we're on our way there. Um, and I just, you know, that's, that's our job as recruiters to, to put kids, you know, like Sydney in that, that position to, to help, you know, elevate our team along that way. So it's a, it's a culture piece, right? It's yeah, sure. It's going to be skill and ability, a lot of it, but building some of those other frameworks for it, where you get into the weight room, where you invest in each other and support each other. Um, those are all part of the equation too. So I don't know if that gets to your question at all, but I think we're on our way. We just have to continue to stay on our way. Yeah. And and it certainly isn't a question specific to volleyball. I mean, Mm I. I think you guys are, volleyball has set itself
0: apart because really Northwestern's success in the postseason can do nothing but help the UMAC uh, in in general that way. But this is a conversation that soccer has, that basketball has, that baseball, softball has. So, I mean, it's it's not only scheduling those teams, but it's having the ability to beat those teams when you do get them on your schedule. And Mm.
1: not just being super top heavy. You know, and that's in every sport. I mean, uh, you take a Northwestern and say, okay, they're one of the best teams in the country where they are. But if if the rest of the conference coach, to your point, doesn't rise with them, then they're saying, well, of course, they're beating, insert Team X or Y. Versus, you know what Morris brings. Superior, historically, has been really good, too. Uh, when we were on previously, and it showed in the match, too, BLC is vastly mm-hmm. improved, and, and, you know... As more teams in the conference become, quote, unquote, competitive regionally, that's only going to help, I think, that opportunity for a for a second at-large volleyball team. You know, I, I just it, – it, men's basketball is a prime example right now where they've got that going on. I think there are other things uh, – other, you know, specific – baseball has got multiple teams that are regionally now competitive, and all of a sudden you're talking about other opportunities for those programs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Well, as we wrap things up here with, uh, with Joe and Sid, we don't have any quizzes for you today, so I apologize for that. But mm-hmm. what we do have, we're going to play a, a round of three things. Okay. Something we've done before. And, and Joe, will start with you, uh, being the baseball fan that you are, major league baseball fans go twins. Uh, what are three major league baseball stadiums that you would like to visit?
3: Well, it's going to be an old school. So we're going both of them in Chicago. You know, that's, I've been through them and driven past them, whether it's um, bringing teams out there in the past. Uh, there's just something about the, the older type school. Um, I don't, probably not Tropicana. That'd probably be at the bottom of my list. They even still have that anymore. Did they blow that uh, one they up? they have they're, that. They do. For but now, they're, they doing, they're trying there, to done get done a new that. one, aren't the they? They, they, they got it, funding yeah. for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 No, been to, to Coors. It's not Coors Field anymore, is it? I've been to that one. Oh, yeah, we got Coors. I've been Coors Field, the home of the Diamondbacks. That was a fun one when I went out to, the, to that one. Um you so know, you'd go
1: at Wrigley and
3: whatever now, Kamiski is the old Comiskey anymore? Comiskey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not even the old Comiskey anymore. I don't know what it
1: is,
0: but
3: <laughs> it's some bank, whatever, yeah. or or credit union. I used to call it the Kingdom in Seattle. For some reason, that one was appealing to me. Maybe it was like Tropicana, because it was all concrete roof out there, but. Also doesn't know. exist but anymore. The Griffies so, don't play there anymore, do they? Okay. No, the so, Griffies, they have okay. retired. All right, <laughs> so stop the Griffies.
1: All right, so you've got Wrigley and whatever we're going to call Comiskey, and you just referenced the Kingdom, which you can't go to because it oh, doesn't exist. Right. Give me one more mm-hmm. actual yeah. baseball park. Well,
3: then I'll just go Yankees just because I think oh. that's, you've, you've got a... The new Yankee Stadium.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's
1: like the third incarnation of
0: it. Love it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay, very well done. <laughs> Sid, what are three of your most memorable moment, moments or matches in your time here as a Cougar volleyball player?
2: oh wow that's a good question um we give
0: nothing but good questions on the pod here wow expect nothing are you have you not listened previously I mean come on this is nothing but the hard hitters
2: um I will say this is way back um we played Scholastica Mm. oh that's Um, always a good one back trips there the second time was for was that playoffs? Well,
3: yeah, it was kind of a unique playoffs? piece because that was the, the COVID spring season, right? Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Yeah. So we came out of there and we had to, to go up there and we lost, right, we the first lost. time around. And then... Uh, Went
2: back like just a few days later yep, and beat them in. Night and
3: day difference. It was crazy.
2: Three or four. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, 100%. that was crazy. Um, Love it. We'll then I'll last say time. the Ding. Bethel game this year, which yeah. coach referenced, yep. um, five-setter, that was exciting. And... Um, I will still say the Northwestern game this year there. Okay. I think that was some really good Cougar volleyball, and even though we didn't come out on top, yeah. that was still one of my oh. favorites.
3: And they, they packed the place. I mean, it. we've yeah. been there when it's been packed in the past, but homecoming and 50th anniversary of volleyball was a crowd mm-hmm. of whatever it was that day, but yeah. it was... But they responded and played like it. that crowd wasn't there, so that was they fun. Did. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's those
0: atmospherically yeah. pleasing environments that you, you just won't forget. It's something you won't right. forget. Yes, exactly. you say yeah, we didn't come up with the win, but that was a memorable moment, and and that's some good stuff. And the
1: bleachers are twelve rows high, <laughs> and there's no place. So I mean, it, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. where I mean, even as many people as we had on Friday night, and God, I love our GM and I always will, but it is hard to pack that it place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless we're gonna bring the entire town of to Morris. That's All right, here we go.
0: Okay, Joe, Timberwolves fan. If contracts were a non-factor, what three NBA players would you like to see in a Timberwolves uniform? Oh, man.
1: And you it, well, tra- trade away somebody you want to get rid this of. It's interesting because it. yeah, you can
3: sure do that. This is Into the Den. I thought this was a Timberwolves podcast, really. Originally, <laughs> we'd come in here and talk Timberwolves for an hour. Oh, man, you got to have your shooter. You know, Steph's the best shooter out there in this day and age, so I'd... I'll throw it to the ball and let him shoot. There's one thing. Well, we would have just drafted him in 09. It would have made it easier. Well, we could have done I that. digress. Not Walker Kessler. We took care of him the other day after his showing last year because um, I was at that game, and that hit a very personal vibe when he lit up the Timberwolves. And, and this year when we got them earlier in the season, that was that was nice. Um, man, not Cat. Yes. So he's gone. We can't do that. Edwards, Edwards is playing at a, an extreme level with his game right now. And you know, anytime we can take 30 points a game. And as long as he, I mean, he likes the mid range jumper, which you don't see that in NBA much anymore. It's layups and he'll use the glass, which is an art. It's a lost art. Um, man, who's the third guy? I don't know if I, you know, you really put me on the spot with the, with the last one. Uh, well, I like the who's the new guy from is it yeah. his Wombly, Wembley. What's what's his last name? Wemby Wemby, Wemby. Wembenyana. Like, not Wembley Stadium. Wemben-yana. Oh, yeah, Victor. I like what he does. I'll just take that just because he's he's a unique guy at seven four and can he's handle impressive. the ball a little bit. And once you know, it's it's not he's not Chet Holmgren. Let's put it that way.
0: That's true. Yeah, you know, Coach Miles used to say we love the rim, we like the three, and that's you know there's really nothing in between. So that's kind of the way the uh, the game has been going. So. Oh, that's good. Three things with Sid and Joe. Thank you very much for participating in that. Um, thank you for joining us in the den. This was great to, to, I think, look back on your tremendous season, which it absolutely, it's crazy to say it was. Um, the regular season, absolutely phenomenal. It's just been great following you guys and, and cheering for you along the way. But as we mentioned, this is championship week, and we wanted to get you back as we as we previewed the, regular, the UMAC season a number of weeks ago. We certainly wanted to kind of preview the playoffs here and wish you guys nothing but the best. So um, good luck. Let's pack the place tomorrow night. And and anything from an AD perspective that people need to know uh, coming into tomorrow?
1: Uh, yeah, 7 o'clock.
0: Gates open at
1: 6. Uh, so come on in there. Uh, reminder out there, if you are faculty, staff, or student, it still uh, remains free admission. But per UMAC guidelines now, parents and other folks like that, listeners out there, will actually pay admission for this one. Um, but again, the, the support is real, and it's genuine, and I can't wait to watch you compete. And you know, it's one step at a time. And the goal ultimately is to get to Saturday and, and line up versus whoever we do. But that means we take care of business on Wednesday. And I know that's going to happen. So good luck, Sydney. Good luck, coach. Thanks thank for joining you. us in here today.
3: And happy Games Day Eve to Cougar Basketball. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, that was uh, just great, as I mentioned, to look back and, and I guess look forward a little bit too. Yeah. Um, that's been a program that's just been outstanding all season long. It's just fun to uh catch up with a couple of the volleyballers here this week and and um hopefully we can play well tomorrow night against a really good UW Spirit team.
1: Yeah, well, all season long. And then in the reality, they're on a, a stretch here that spans Coach Susan Guth's time and even Correct. back into Coach Torvey and Melfi before. And, and I mean, you're you're talking we're on a 10, 12 year stretch here of being one of the best teams in the conference. Yeah. And um I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with that at some point in time too but these women respond and joe has just does such an amazing job with that program and and again we've set ourselves in a position to host a playoff game tim and that's what it's all about man it is we will
0: transition now to cougar football and um i'm going to use the word escapes cougar football escapes new ulm with a 30 to 27 win on saturday afternoon is that would you say that's accurate
1: yeah escapes but escapes like the toughest place in the umact Bear yeah. none and i know we're going to talk yeah. about it but yes we escaped
0: yeah, and, and Matt was there, and he'll certainly be able to add some much needed context to the game. But I'll run through some stats, and then we'll come back and, and discuss some, some things. But for the offensive leaders on Saturday, quarterback Marcus Reeb finished 10 of 22, rolling 92 yards through the air. So it was, certainly wasn't something where we went and went uh, um, air raid. Um, he did have 11 carries for 41 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Blake Johnson carried the ball 13 times for 77 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah Boss, 18 carries for 76 yards, and Dylan Naughton led us in receiving two catches for 45 yards, 43 of those on one catch. MLC did have the edge in total yards at 347 to 298. Defensive uh, leaders for us, Greg Oman, which we'll talk talk about here in a few moments, uh, was a force defensively with eight solo tackles and a fumble return for a touchdown. Um, Hunter Infanger with seven tackles, three of those solo. Chase Meyer six total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and a sack that came again at a very good time. We'll talk about. Garrett Eilison with six tackles, and then Isaiah Henderson with a huge two-interception day. Um, so that's kind of the statistical information or background. Now I guess for a feel of the game itself, we got down early in the game, Matt. We we trailed fourteen nothing in the first quarter. What was the, what was the feel at that point in the bowl? Was it kind of a here we go again, or what was it? Uh, I. Th- I
1: think it's two ways to answer that question. For me, yes, it was a feel of here we go again because we were one and nine in our last ten games there. Ever we this was the second ever win we've had there. Because I mean, in in our years, you know, playing MLC since '03, you know, half football, you obviously one and one each place. Sure. So yes, I mean, you're looking at it in terms of, and I was a part of one win and eight losses there. Right. So. It is a really, and I said this before. It's a challenging place to play. It's a grass surface. Uh, the MLC fans are always tremendous, w- regardless of if I agree with everything they say. That's neither here nor there. Sure. They bring a little they bit of atmosphere. Yeah. Yes, it's it's truly down in a in a bowl. It it's it is a challenging place to play. Um, MLC comes out and gets a quick score on like a 40-yard pass, which yeah. isn't their game anyhow, uh, where the dude put two hands in he back, might have pushed off, might have didn't, didn't matter, didn't get called, great catch. And then all of a sudden we come over out and turn over the ball and they pump it in again. And yeah, again, Tim, we're six minutes into the game and we're down 14-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's my perspective. The feeling I got from the players and and from afar, and obviously Cooper's on the sideline. And I mean, I'm sitting with a, bu- a group of parents and I said this to um, Coach Hoffman and Coach Burke as well, it never wavers. Like this team is so steady even in in adverse times where I, it's easy for me as a fan to get down and they're sitting there saying, oh, we'll come back. Defense will get us one or whatever. And I had that same conversation with Marcus yesterday in my office where he's like, we, we knew we were going to come out on top. We didn't know how we were going to get there, but we knew the defense would get us the ball back. So, um, yeah, 14 to nothing early was dicey for me.
0: Well, and then we do battle back. We come within 21-20 late in the second quarter after after one of Marcus's TD runs. Yep. And you kind of expect MLC to just head into halftime being content with the lead, Uh right? Totally
1: did. Again, like 40 seconds left. Yeah, and then they come out, and
0: Isaiah Henderson has his first interception, interception, returns at 47 yards, to give Morris a nice scoring opportunity there at the end of the half, in which Alex Happ kicks the 24-yard field goal, and we then take the lead
1: at halftime. Yep, and even there, when you're looking at it just from a game flow, MLC is... Chose the pass three times. I I didn't get it. I don't care. That benefited us. But but Isaiah picks that ball and returns it all the way down to, like, the 11-yard line. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, boy, punch this one in. And, right. And we will have – because we're getting the ball coming out of half. You know? Then I'm like, we will have all the momentum in the world. And then they bowed their necks a little bit defensively and held us the three. So even that felt like, uh, if anything, a small MLC victory saying, hey, right. we just gave them ball backs against the wall. And here we go to hold them to three. But nonetheless, we go in with a lead at halftime. And then when we come back out, we get the ball right away and we march all the way down. And we get to the 30 before we stall out. And then they come back. And then we get the ball again and we march all the way down to the 30. So multiple drives, T, where where we had good stuff going on and just didn't convert. And before we know it, it's in the fourth quarter.
0: Correct. And so in the second half, MLC did score on two field goals uh, to take that 27-23 lead. Because the Cougs, as you mentioned, just
1: could not – could not get things going offensively. Not sustaining it, right. I mean, between the 30s, we moved the ball with ease, I will actually say. Sure. But as we approach that green zone, it, it was a struggle.
0: So then MLC has the ball with under three minutes to go, driving the field, getting all the way down around the Cougars' 10-yard line. And then, of course, it, I'm listening to it. You're there watching. Yeah. I'm just thinking, okay, we, if we hold them to a field goal here, we then have a chance to come back and at least tie the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, And then I will let you take it from here because we're at about, what, two and a half minutes uh, I would say around there, 240, 2 and a half, something like that. They're at the 10 with a four-point lead, three-point lead, four-point lead. It is 20... A, th- a field goal would have made it seven, so it must have been a four-point lead. Yeah, 27-23. Yep. 27-23 lead, driving the field at the 10-yard line, two minutes and 40
1: seconds to go in the game, and then what happens? Yeah, well, and I'm in the same mindset, and I'm sitting with uh, you know, former Wilmer head coach Ken Heitzman. He's a Cougar. I'm sitting with Nate knockmoose Yeah. Orion is on the team and a former crew. So whatever. We're sitting here just talking shop, and I'm saying the same thing. Use your timeouts here, Martin. Force them to three. Hold them to three. Go yep. down, let's tie this thing, and go for two for the win was what my mindset okay, actually sure. was. Um, but MLC is, is is just playing ball control, and I think they're at, the I'll say, the 11, the 12-yard line. And it's a quarterback key. I, it was a read, but anyhow, the quarterback just pulled it. There was no question about it that he wasn't going to hold on to this ball. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, and it happened, in just a split second. The ball's on the turf, and off goes Omen. You know, and and it, it, as it turns out, uh, Carter poked it free. I, you couldn't tell that from where I was. Sure. But the only thing I kept thinking to myself, and you and I are texting during it, is I'm like, he's going to get hawked from right. behind. I mean, this is a linebacker <laughs> sitting here, and MLC's got some dudes out there that yes. can run. Yes. One of them is um, the Cox kid. Mason. You know, Mason Cox. had a great day. Yes. And I'm talking with Randy, too, his dad, head baseball coach at MLC. Yep. But anyhow, there wasn't anybody within 10, 15 yards of Greg as he, it just, it was, hard hard to describe in terms of it you want to talk about just snatching a victory there and then um the the just the momentum the feel of the it was just crazy because there was a huge huge contingency of cougar fans there yeah. Enough that and I, I told you this, and I think I told uh, Heather Pennyroy too. Uh, Dave, the AD from MLC, comes after me and says, "Hey, Martin Luther really appreciates this Cougar following. <laughs> if it wasn't a person per person, it was it was within close. I bet yeah. there was I bet there was 200 Cougar fans. That's there. Awesome. It was awesome. Yeah,
0: that's great. So yeah, so so Owen picks that thing up and goes back, and the Cougars, with the extra point, then take the lead, 30 to 27. Yep. And with his efforts, by the way, um, Greg Omen was the def- UMAC Defensive Player of the and Week, and I
1: think that's his third defensive score it's been of great. The year.
0: I know he's got two for sure because he had the one versus Westy he's been great so of course that that's still over two minutes to go we've got the three-point leads we got to kick it to them um MLC's got the ball and this is where again some huge talk about defense yeah. coming through for you once again first down Meyer gets the sack
1: first of the game by the way for any for we hadn't had a sack yet it,
0: it, it. timing was just was incredible uh, on second down, I think we, we snuffed out a, a screen play in the middle. Correct. And then third down, they drop back to pass, yep. and Isaiah Henderson once again. Yep. Second interception of the day. Huge, huge defensive plays there. Um, all three of them, um, just to take them out of anything that they would want to do, coming down, driving the field, and tying it up or taking
1: the lead. And uh, defense comes through. Yep. And it was one of those things where, yeah, did MLC outgain us on the day? Yes, they did. But a couple of them were just, they had a 50-yard run. They had a path, and I know this for a fact, it was fourth down and seven, and there's some kind of miscommunication on the backside of it that a dude wide open down the middle, you know, and it must have been a 30, 40-yard pass there too. So they had these big chunk plays, but defensively, Tim, we did, a, we did a, and continue to do a great job of holding the other teams out of the end zone. Again, their field goal kicker was good, but to hold them to the two in the second half and then... Again, by the time we got the ball back there, I'm thinking to myself, we're going, we're going to hold them. And then Isaiah comes up huge again in the defensive secondary. So, and a shout out to that kid and, and frankly, the entire secondary for how they played all day.
0: Yeah, awesome. So, with that win, and of course, Northwestern's win over, I think they played Westie. Yeah, they did. Um, that sets up a true conference championship game this Saturday versus University of Northwestern, one o'clock at Big Cat Stadium. Winner of this will not only earn the the UMAC championship but also a bid to the ncaa playoffs um how exciting is this for for not only the football team but for our athletic department and the university as a whole
1: uh incredibly you know and and obviously i've got a vested interest in it because so much of my background is is with football and now i've been out of it for five years but it's still where i cut my teeth as a coach and i'm still going to be in i'm number 53 in my mind you yeah, know like yeah. i um It's just special. And I said this to coach Galen the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I said, no matter what happens on Saturday, I'm probably going to end up crying twofold. That's who I am. (laughs) You know, just deal with it. But I mean, if, if, if we come out victorious, that's going to be a pretty, pretty special to me. I was a part of the last conference championship team in 06. Well, that's 17 seasons ago. You know, so, I mean, that's going to be pretty emotional. And then if we come out on the, the wrong side of it, I'm going to be emotional, too, because I know how hard these players and these coaching staff have worked to get to this point where we're playing for an opportunity to go to the NCAA playoffs. Uh, and I know it was a different time, different whatever, but the last time the football team was in the NCAA playoffs, t was? Did I see 1981? 1981. All right. You know, and at that there was a stretch there where we went five straight years because it was yep. regional, yep. national Prowess, right? And I'm thinking to myself, is this a building block to return to something where, where we get back to some more of that expectation? But it's been 17 years in the making, man.
0: Well, it has, and and I think this is a a build up off of last year's success. Yep. Um, And I think we started with with you know early in their quote unquote postseason last year, the end of their their season. We talked about what building block that is for this year, and here they've done it. They've mm-hmm. done what they need to do leading up to. This game on Saturday because this is where after last year this is where we had hoped to be here we are yep. now it's just about finishing the task.
1: Last year we went down to Northwestern not the last game of the year as you recall right. but a huge buzz in the air and they got us I, I don't know by three points four points I know Boss didn't play Johnson didn't play it was just it was a good hard fought game and there was yeah. a lot of of even groundswell then transitioning that to this season again same opponent historically very challenging i mean northwestern's northwestern yeah they, they play the game the right way but i know what the atmosphere is going to be like on saturday at big cat it's going to be electric you know and i i, I just think it's going to be a special special opportunity and, and let's hope the kids perform you know right. that's what it's about
0: is there anything that the people need to know about saturday's game uh, it's a one o'clock yep. at big cat Yep,
1: one o'clock and that but that's regular in terms of admission again if you're um alumni faculty staff retiree and family and obviously students you know come through the pass gate and do your thing and and uh, come out and support this team. You know the weather is, I think, going to cooperate. It's going to yeah. be in the low 40s, yeah. uh, which is is November in Minnesota. But the opportunity to to watch these guys play the game one more time is special. And unlike what we're talking with volleyball, this isn't a two bid league right now. Right. It's going to be the winner goes to the dance, and the loser is going to go home disappointed. And and I've just got nothing but faith in this coaching staff and and the players.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. This is going to be a lot of fun on on Saturday. And as we wrap up our football talk. Our listeners know what this music means. A tweet from Coach Burke, and I quote, Opportunity is often disguised as adversity. How we look at it depends wholly on our perspective. Seeing what we can still accomplish is far more important than worrying about the past. We can't go back, but we can certainly move forward in a positive direction.
1: Apropos to Saturday at Martin Luther, right? Isn't that right? Wow. Yeah, latest installment of Coach Burke Tweets. I don't know how I would have spelled holy, but I don't know if I would have spelled it that way, dude. Yeah. W-H-O-L-Y. That is, the. that's legit. I'm not saying it's not. I yeah. just wouldn't have spelled it that way. Yeah, there you go. I would have just picked a different word. <laughs> Thank you, well, Coach Burke. Yeah,
0: Enlightening. Absolutely. absolutely. Okay, swim and dive. A couple swim and dive uh, uh, recaps here from the weekend. Victory. Our men's men's swim and dive team oh. earned our first win in program history on Friday night uh, by winning eleven of the thirteen events for a score of one twenty five to fifty nine. Congrats to them and the program. Saturday saw much of the same as the Cougs once again won eleven of the thirteen events, winning by a score of one twenty four to forty two. So, of course, congratulations to uh, Coach Dave Molesworth, Coach Annie, and of course. The swimmers themselves on on a couple convincing wins over the weekend and and getting that first uh, ever program win. And uh just nice to see and 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 certainly a sign of things to come, we hope.
1: Yep. In a year of firsts, which this every time we talk men swimming, yep. we're gonna talk it's the first, it's the first the first victory is always special. Uh and and to know that this group of I believe nine gentlemen are are the the first program that's gonna don maroon and gold for us or black in this case. Yeah. Um and and just build off of this it's it's exciting to see them do again the atmosphere is really special there too um a lot of lot of cougar faithful there, parents supporting and um i know i know coach coaches mm-hmm. are really happy about where the, the program's at and what the future looks like yeah
0: and then on the women's side uh again similar schedule friday night in the cougar pool we did lose to division two southwest state university but had wins over both concordia college by a score of 139-81 and Iowa Lakes Community College, one sixty-nine to six. So nice night in the pool on Friday. Then Saturday we traveled to uh, Marshall to compete at the at Southwest State. We lost to Division Two Southwest State, one seventy to forty-three. And again competed against and beat Iowa Lakes Community College, one fifty-nine to three. The women sit now at five and three on the year so far, and compete again at the Augustana Invite. As do the men um, on Thursday, November sixteenth. A three-day uh, set for them coming up.
1: Yep, a huge win over Concordia. Again, you always want to beat, you know, like schools, right? And, and Concordia is somebody we've competed against every single year, and to come out on the the high side is awesome. I will say this, and this will sound, what it sounds like, Southwest State looks like a D2 swim program. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, some of their, yeah. they're just, their athletes, right. and I just, they threw up some crazy times, as they should. Those are scholarship kids. Yeah. You know, but we hung in there and at least competed from there. But to go get Concordia, and then I don't know much about Iowa Lakes, but I know that. They didn't score a whole lot of points, so we must have swam what we needed to swim. We sure did. Uh, looking ahead at schedules,
0: cross-country will compete this weekend at the NCAA North Regional across the border in Wisconsin, so we'll have a little recap on that uh, next week. But uh, wishing our runners nothing but the best here as they compete uh, at the Regional this weekend. Basketball teams. Basketball season here, as as Coach Joe mentioned. Uh, we get our regular season going tomorrow night at Concordia. Uh, Once again, a very difficult non-conference schedule and and starting with uh, just an excellent, excellent Concordia uh, team. In terms of, of the women's side, they played in the MIAC championship game last year and bringing everybody back, so um it'll be a tough way to start the season but we're we're look, certainly looking forward to it concordia is always a fun place to go and play
1: ah, it sounds like they're ripe for an upset basketball season has returned
0: here we go you bet uh and then again we just talked about football we'll host university of northwestern for the conference championship on saturday at 1 p.m so obviously nothing but the best there we'll have a great recap on that next week and then uh our guests today were from cougar volleyball coach joe susan guth and sydney Eckoff uh shared some great stuff with us this morning um and they, of course, are hosting UW-Superior tomorrow night at home. And uh, a lot of things to look forward to this week, and, and we'll hope for the best.
1: Yeah, I hope so, too. Give me the 30-second answer, though. Talk to me about hoops real quickly in terms of how's practice been so far. I mean, and like you said, tough competition, obviously, going to Concordia. Yep. But always fun to get that season kicked off. And I know you had a, an exhibition with Valley City, but things you're looking for tonight, seeing the Cougs on the floor.
0: Yeah, you know, in this early season, you you just try to – Try to be good at the core things right away. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of mistakes made tomorrow night by me included. I I tell a team when we you know before we hit the floor against Valley City, yeah, I expect you guys to make a lot of mistakes tonight, and I will too as a coach, yeah. just just because you're getting back into that that rhythm of the season. Um you you just wanna you wanna make the mistakes you should be making at that time and you wanna you want them to be correctable. Um, but you also wanna make sure that you're you're not screwing up on the things that by now after a month of practice that you should have under control and so those are the things but competition does crazy things to you yeah right and and so it's uh we're going to be working in some first year players that I think will will be impactful and help us out a lot um uh, mixing them in with with some fifth year seniors that we have and and everything in between so it's a. Uh, um I was going to say it's a unique group, but I guess every group is. So that does, yeah. does that make it unique? Nah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's certainly we we think we have a a good competitive basketball team. Will that show in the non conference wins and losses? We'll see. Um, but I like our team. We've got some good length, some good depth. Um, so we'll see what
1: happens. And then same question. Speak for Paul if you can. What's the what's the men's feel right now? I mean, where are they at?
0: I think much the same. Um, they're going to have some young players as they typically do that are going to be looking to make an impact and really help this team. Um, they lost some key some key scoring through graduation last year, um, so I think they're going to have to to really find a way to score in the half court. I think transition wise they'll be they'll be good, um, but I think once they get in the half court, they're going to you know much like we. We're a team that has struggled in that in that regard offensively. They have not necessarily struggled in the, in that regard in, in the last few seasons, but I think they lost some key players that were really able to put the ball in the basket for them consistently. Um, so I think from a half court perspective, it'll be interesting to see um, uh, how productive they can be from yeah. that standpoint. And and they they may get to a point like like we have, where you want to rely on your defense to create some offense for you. So we'll see what happens for them. They've, again, got a tall order, literally a tall order for them against Concordia. They Concordia will be huge, um, led by a local kid in, yeah. in Jackson Logie, who uh, I think a lot of people are anxious to see in a Concordia uniform tomorrow night.
1: And I'm anxious to see Kenny Placide. So let's get after it. I'm so excited. I know next week we're going to talk about it, obviously, but I'd be yeah. remiss if we didn't talk about your season upcoming. So I appreciate that. Cougar
0: basketball on its way, folks. Yeah, here we go. Special thanks, as always, to Mike Seahawk, our engineer, and our student intern, Jack Gala. We appreciate everything there. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in for co host Matt Johnson. I am Tim Grove. And until next time, go Cougs. You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, follow us on Spotify and online at morriscougars.com. Until next time, go Cougars.